Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. We have had so many different guests and stories on here when it comes to making a family, whether it was from infertility, single motherhood by choice. We've had so many. Oh, even surrogacy. We had a whole episode on surrogacy before. And today is sort of like a crossover episode of a lot of those things. Today, I'm welcoming Joseph Tito from The Dad Diaries. We met years ago at a conference and I immediately adore him. He is one of those people that is very magnetic, very fun to follow. And I remember him going through this journey of surrogacy as he chose to be a single dad and raise a family and share his success with a new generation. And so as it often happens, it wasn't so easy. So today we're having Joseph on the episode to kind of share his journey through choosing this path and the complications that came along the way and where he is now, where everything is now. So I'm so excited for you to hear this story because I truly have never sat down with him to hear it in full. So you're going to be hearing it for the first time along with me, even though I have a little bit more insight from following him on Instagram for years and seeing it on the news. Yes, this was a newsworthy kind of story. All right, let's get into the show. All right, we're ready for this. I was just saying, I've never actually heard this full story. I've only ever known you from passing, from meeting, from following each other online. But this is like a really cool opportunity. I I sort of feel in some ways there are stories that are in our lives that define us and people sort of move past them. They're like these big, big things in our lives and everyone's just ready to move on from them. And it's really, you're years down past all of this. And I think it's a really important thing to go back in and talk about it. Now that you've been able to move through it a little bit, now we get to go back into your story and learn. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's go Let's go a little bit more back because I want to get into 
first of all, your why. You're not the first person that has chosen single parenthood right off the bat. We've had a previous guest before, and I think it's a very interesting conversation. Just like we're seeing the rise in people going child-free by choice, we're also seeing the rise in parenthood by choice, even single parenthood by choice. So talk to me about your life before and what brought you to this really big life decision. Well, okay. So I was an executive producer and director, uh, and I was living in the Middle East at the time, making a shitload of money, uh, traveling the world, uh, Dubai on weekends, Istanbul, Rome, and nothing. I one one night in I was in my hotel in the Burj Khalifa, and I was, I think like the sun was rising. I just had partied, and I was looking out the window on the. 57th floor and I'm like there has to be more to life than this like Mm. I have everything I could buy anything I want but I just felt empty Mm. and then I come from a very Italian traditional I was born in Rome so like my you know we we grow up with you know find the love of your life get married have children and so that kind of never happened for me but I I always wanted children I always Mm. wanted a dad I felt it you know, very important in my life and nothing. And on that night morning, I remember I was like, okay, this is it. I've always said, I was like, by the time I'm 35, I'm going to be a dad. I was like 37 at the time. I'm like, okay, it's now or never because I don't want to be a 65 year old with a toddler. (laughs) I mean, sorry, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro right now, who are literally in their seventies and eighties, just becoming dads. I I also don't want that for me. So I I get it. So, uh, yeah. So then that was when I kind of started researching and I was, I researched into adoption, but then as a single gay male, it's close to impossible. So then nothing, I looked into surrogacy and there was this uh, Indian agency that was promoting same sex couples or single males that they could, you know, do it. And so I dove into it. And uh, yeah, here I am with twins. <laughs> yeah, with twins. It wasn't it wasn't that simple though. First of all, no, how was no. it? You ended up with a surrogate who lived where? Uh, so I went through. Uh, they we did it in Kenya. So the in surrogate Kenya. was in Kenya. Okay. And uh, no, it wasn't. Well, first of all, before she even got pregnant, I went through five embryo transfers. And oh wow, I, it's it's brutal. Like you just yeah. feed like a failure, you feel like, you know, you're, you're killing something, right? Like your, your embryos that are babies and they're not taking. And so then by the fourth one, you're like, okay, God does not want me to be a dad. Like it's Mm. obvious that this is not in my cards, but then the agency reached out. They're like, no, you need to change egg donors. And so I changed the egg donor and then boom, she got pregnant. And then one days later, I found out that there were twins and I was like, oh my God, I'm a single dad. Like, what am I going to do? Like the first thing I thought of was like two universities, two universities I'm going to do for the rest (laughs) of my life. Uh, (laughs) Do you know what I love about that though, is that you questioned whether it was the right thing or like whether you were supposed to do this. And then instead life was like, boom, boom, we give you two. Exactly. (laughs) Like that's kind of. That's kind of a neat part. But when you were going through that part of like the embryo failures or loss, how did you, a lot of people find community. This is such a niche thing. Did you even have community you know or have what? anybody no, that you could relate with? No, that's why I started the dad diaries. It started yeah. as a blog and I started writing my experiences for 
it was for gay men, but I mean, I get contacted by even women. There's a lot of women that can't give birth and it's something they don't want to talk about. And it's, you know, they feel like a failure as a woman. So they reach out to me because I actually, after this third failed embryo transfer, I stopped telling people, uh, just because like people are just, they, they don't get it. And it was like, people would say like, Oh, third time's a charm or like stupid say like, and I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want anyone to know. I just I closed off. And the only people that were my parents and yeah, it was, it's, it's not an easy, it's not easy. Like for men, let, let alone like for women that, that can't get, it's not a subject that people want to talk about. And so, so that's why I started the dad diaries. Like it started as kind of like an information for people kind of letting them know my experience and you know, and it, it's good to hear from someone that is going through it or has gone through it because, I mean, you're sending 40,000 American across the world somewhere to start, you know, and it's like, it's like, where, where's it going? Is it, is it, you know, legit? Is it like, I, you know, you, you just, there's so many things. I mean, it's a baby you're talking about. It's not like, you yeah. know, potatoes at a market. So let's go forward. It's a success. You're having twins. First of all, I want to know how did your family react? How did, was your family supportive of this? Were they excited? Oh yeah. Because I don't, so, I don't care about the what the world says yet. I want to know what the Italian family had to say. So so okay. At first, I told my mom, and and she was yes, all about it. Obviously, yeah. to be like a nonna and like yeah. <laughs> uh, she's very Italian and was amazing, amazing support. I didn't tell my dad because I wasn't sure how he would react but then he kind of like heard it from my mom and came on the phone and was like so excited and he was super excited yeah. was like you know so that the first thing i did when i saw like i read i read two like i saw two heartbeats and i'm like oh, okay so they maybe they measured it in the morning and then mm -hmm. i like i don't know so I'm, I'm reading and reading and reading and i'm like twin pregnancy confirmed and i was like oh my god so I remember it was like three o'clock in the morning in Canada. So I was just sitting in Bahrain in the Middle East, looking at the screen for like three hours. I waited <laughs> till six in the morning. First thing I did, called my dad, called my parents and uh, my dad picked up and I'm like, Papa, it's twins. And he's like, that's amazing. I'm like, what do you mean? That's amazing. That's two universities. I'm by myself. I don't know. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. But I also let, let me tell you that my dad does not know anything about babies. When we yeah. were, he was working, he wasn't yeah. home. He wasn't. And so he's like, okay, okay. I'll pass you your mom. I'll pass you your mom. So my mom comes on the phone. I'm like, ma, they're twins. Silence. Oh my God. I'm like, uh, ma, she's like, no, 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 I heard what you said. I just, I, I need a moment. And she hangs up the phone. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? So, because she like no, that just that just helps all the anxiety of the whole situation. You're like, okay, mom hung up the phone. That's how serious. Well, this because is. she knows what it's like to have babies, right? Yes, and now we're she gonna got have it. two, and she knows that she's gonna be a huge part of the like of yeah. babies' lives, and she's gonna help me and and nothing. She was excited. She was just like literally sleeping and was like, yeah. I needs process and and nothing. So actually, when I went to Kenya. Uh, two weeks before the girls were born, my mom came with me, oh. and and then yeah, that's when all hell broke loose after they were born. Yes, and um, yeah, so that's a whole wow. different. Yeah, we'll get into that in a moment because that's what I was saying. I was like, this was this was the story that made major news. It was a it was a big thing. But let's get into the fact that it's twins. Did you? Did you uh, like were two embryos implanted, or was it one that split into identical? 
No, 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 no. It was two embryos. So they planted two embryos at a time. Um, And so, yeah, so it was, but they had the same placenta, which is not common, the same. Oh, so they're, what's that called? Die-die twins, which is like usually riskier or something, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So mom, a surrogate parent is pregnant. She's about to give birth. You've made it over there. Talk to me about the actual birth experience. Where were you? Like, what was your role in it? Were you sort of, I don't understand how a lot of that stuff works. And I realize it's probably very individual as well. Yeah. So well, there, so, okay. So 10 days before I left, the agency called me and said, a woman has to come with you, like not my mom, but a woman has to come with you uh, or else they won't give you the baby. So I was like, what do you mean? First, you're advertising same sex couples and single male. And now, so thank God I had my one of my best friends lives in Bahrain. She's a Saudi and like was relatively close to Kenya. So she came down and nothing like the birth, like they at first they told me that I could be there. And then, um, so we're waiting at home and they were, they should have been born at 2 PM. And then at 1245 from the, I get a, a message from the counselor, the, the, uh, the lady that like the middleman kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I think no matter mm-hmm. problem, I would talk to her and she yeah. would talk to the agency. She worked for the agency. She's like, congratulations, you're a dad. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she yeah. sent two pictures of the girls screaming and I'm like, uh, what what the hell is going on so I like I we rushed we went into a tuk-tuk which is like we're Kenya third world country yeah. and like belt go to the 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 hospital and and again like Leslie had to be with me and like so finally they like I, we go there and they show us the babies and I'm like I remember counting their toes and counting their fingers and all of them. And one was screaming. One was like, looked like a little Buddha. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I saw them, I named them and they took them away. And um, that was it. I went home. <laughs> I was like, now what? And very different mm-hmm. uh, from Canada. Like they would have gone into the NICU for a bit. Uh, they were like, the next day I went, mm-hmm. they're like, just put them out in the sun for in the morning and they'll be fine because they had John like they were like preemies right uh but again, very very different and so uh nothing I the next day I went I got them uh two two days later they got to come home with me and uh yeah then that's when kind of everything started happening uh, I had issues getting their uh my name on the birth certificate so it was like fighting with the, the the judge in Kenya. And then I find out that they wanted like to be bribed. They wanted money. I'm like, well, if I would have done that in Canada, I would have got arrested. So anyways, finally, I got my on the birth certificate and then it was time to come back. So I did all I went. I brought them from Mombasa to Kenya. We did all their paperwork uh, at the Canadian embassy and uh, everything was fine. And then they two uh, uh, two days before we had to leave we went back i brought them back to mombasa we were waiting there two days before we had to leave my mom's like well l- they haven't got back to us let's just go to, to to nairobi with the babies we'll like stay at a hotel there and then we'll leave the next day so we get to the embassy and they're like no they don't get their citizenship because you uh because i was born in italy to a canadian mom so i was considered second generation canadian and so they wouldn't give them the citizenship and uh, they said, you're going to have to sponsor them. 
which meant that I would have to stay in Kenya for eight months to a year because there were else. And so, yeah, so then luckily it went viral and uh, like I have a bunch of amazing followers, like all the Gina's in Woodbridge that were like fighting <laughs> for me. And uh, they like bombarded the embassy with with emails. And um, I mean, Trudeau emailed me. Uh, it was just, yeah. And then finally the embassy was like, okay, take a temporary travel document and leave the country. I'm like, absolutely. So thank God I was on social media. And yeah, and then we, so two months later, we were allowed to leave. The girls were stateless for uh, about a year. Uh, and then they finally got their permanent residency. And then a year later, got their Canadian citizenship. So two parts of this question. First part, do you feel like through this process, the the desire to become a dad maybe blinded you to some of these blind spots that were coming down the road or do you think that it was just no, 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 there's no way you could have known because you were saying like they marketed towards that this was gonna work and then all of a sudden you're like being hit with like all of this new information that never was there no, that, that's the thing so before the girls were even the girls I, like yeah. as soon as i started like before the first embryo transfer i contacted the embassy i sent them my passport i sent them my citizenship uh, I wow. said, listen, I because I knew about the law. Wow. Harper had just passed it in 2017. So I sent them my stuff and they're like, no, 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 you're fine. I even have that email from them. And I even when I was there, was like, look, oh look at gosh. your email. You this is your mistake, because if, if I would have known, mm-hmm. I would have like, trust me, when you're going through surrogacy, there's so much planning and so much research. And like, it's not like, yes, you know, my girlfriend or my wife just got, oh, I'm pregnant. Like, no, it, it's years of planning. It's dotting your T, uh, crossing your T, dotting your I's. Like, so that's why, like, it wasn't the, the whole thing about then needing a woman. That was, I got blindsided because first you're advertising yeah. one thing and then all yeah. of a sudden, and then it's not that it's, you know, up the street, like it's in Kenya, which is. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just, it was, it was brutal. And it was just, it was just an experience where I remember coming, going back to the hotel after spending eight hours at the embassy and the night before traveling with the girls, my mom was just exhausted and passed out on the bed. Mia was sleeping. Stella was crying. And I remember having her in my arms and feeling, oh my God, I failed as a father. Like, it, they were just yeah. born and already I failed yeah. as father. It was just, it was just a brutal experience. And mm-hmm. again, would I change anything? No, because I have Stella and Mia and I love them more mm-hmm. than anything in this world. And I would not change anything, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's what I tell people when, when they, they, they contact me and say, you know, what should I do? I just, just get a lawyer, get an immigration lawyer, Uh, just make sure you have everything in order because the last thing you want to do is be stuck in a country like Kenya or any other country, but especially a third world country and not with your babies and not come home. So let me ask another technical question because I'm sure people are wondering the same. Is there opportunity for somebody who's a gay single dad to surrogate in Canada? Is that, was that ever a possibility? Okay. So this was like, yeah. There is. It's very expensive. 
Yeah. Uh, and also the laws here in Canada and the U.S. are still, they were written in 1982. Oh, wow. Uh, so basically the surrogate mother, even though the DNA is not hers. So the mm-hmm. egg is from another woman. Yes, exactly. The the, the semen's from me and yeah. uh, it's put into another woman, the surrogate. Yes. Even though it's not her DNA, they yeah. have all the power. Okay. Meaning that okay. if she gives birth and she decides to keep the baby, it's her right to keep the baby. And then oh, you're so, alimony, like child support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, that's very complex. So yeah, I can understand why you would have researched for different places and why you came to that decision. So using social media really is what you got you out of this like very, very big pickle. Let's just put it lightly. However, I'm watching people go through, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that couple on TikTok who just had uh, a gay couple who had twins via surrogacy and the social media has been kind to them and also brutally, brutally harsh to them in very, very awful, awful ways. When you went very loud and very viral, it's weird to say that, I mean, those years ago were quite different from now and that we've progressed somehow worse. But I yeah, feel worse. like those years ago, did you did you face a lot of brutal hate in in yeah. the efforts to bring your daughters home? Did you also have to face that side of it? And I feel like this is all so hard because there is you who made the decision to have these babies. You have these babies and you're not even really getting a chance to be a dad, you're having to travel, you're having to bounce around, you're having to do all this legal stuff. A lot of, I'm sure there's been a lot of grief over the joy that you lost and the opportunity that you lost through that time. But kind of talk to me about how you managed sort of your one tool that you had, which was going viral with this, but also knowing that that was sort of walking into a whole world of hate too. And things that you maybe, I don't know if anybody can ever possibly be prepared for, but that one is really a character questioning one. And I've seen it happen to people now. So I'm wondering what that was for you. Oh, no, it's, I get it. I get that all the time. But being in, you know, being in the public eye, you, you good and the bad, right? Unfortunately, the bad sticks, whereas the good kind of like, oh, okay. And you move on. And then that, 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 those, that one bad comment, or like, I remember there was, she was a doula which meaning that she deals with babies and mm-hmm. uh, from middle America somewhere she wrote, not only did you kill four babies, but what you're doing is simple. So because I, I went through five embryo transfers, right? So, mm-hmm. and I remember that one comment and I'm like, you know, already you feel like shit, like yeah. <laughs> when, when stuff like that happens and then just those comments. And now I'm getting more worse comments now. Yeah. Than back then, I was gonna then, ask. Yeah, 2018, there wasn't this all of a sudden. Let's all hate on everybody. Like yeah. I don't know what happened, but something's changed. And but yeah, you do get them. You do get them. And unfortunately, like I said, those stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, even now, like my 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 partner now, well, my soon to be husband now, just says, you know, let them go. Like don't even yeah. read them. Don't even let them. But that's they. It, it takes a while. It takes a while. Like the whole of thing course. with the flag that's happening Yeah. that whole week or every time something happened with the LGBTQ community, people reach out to me because I'm mm-hmm. the like, they want me to be a voice. And sometimes yeah. it, it kills me for the whole week. It kills yeah. me 
And then I'm, I'm, I'm not a good parent because mm-hmm. I am so angry that I'm taking it out. Not, I'm not taking it out on the girls, but yeah, you know, you're just so in that zone that, yeah. s- that sucks. Right. Yeah. And, but what are you going to do? That's the price you pay. Right. I mean, you can, it's the same thing for you. Like I'm sure you, very you different, get your positive, but I get it. Yeah. It's sort of like the way that you say it sticks. Like all I envisioned when you said that was there's all these people patting you on the back as you sort of go through life. And then there's people who throw darts and it does, it sticks. It, it has this way of just getting into a deep point. And it's like the stuff that you already, I saw somebody yesterday, one of my favorite podcasters, And she just made this little post that said, you know, you all comment and say how annoying my voice is, but I have to live with it for the rest of my life. You can pause the podcast. And I was like, yes, this things like that, that make you sort of like nitpick at the things that already you've already processed. You've already gone through. You've already had to grieve the traditional family. The fact that you can't just go and, you know, get pregnant. You've already had to go through that process. Then not having somebody to do this with that would have upped your chances of potentially an adoption. You had so much against you and your heart to just be a dad. It it was sort of misconstrued and manipulated and put to be something else. And I've watched you show up time and time again with so much love and so much compassion. And I'm so glad that even though the darts have been in your back, that you continue to move forward because those girls, how old are they now? First of all, they're four. They're four. And you went through, gosh, do you remember? I remember, well, of course you remember, but I remember (laughs) when they were like, you now are like the single dad of two, but that didn't remove your desire to meet a partner. So what was dating for, you know what? I don't want to jump ahead. I know I'm doing it, but I'm excited. (laughs) First of all, talk to me about beyond all the complications. Talk to me about the reality of being a single dad of twins. What was that life like? Was it a blur? Do you even remember? The first six months I cried every day. I don't even remember if it was day or night, but I cried just waking them up every three hours, feeding them. And then luckily, luckily, luckily I had my parents. So I literally like, I had a, like a loft in the city. I had plate, like mm-hmm. I like moved into my parents. I built a two bedroom apartment in the basement and thank God for my parents because they would go to sleep really late. So mm-hmm. I would feed them at nine o'clock. Uh, then they would feed them at 12, put them into bed, and then I would wake up at three and then wake up at six. So I had that at least that little bit of help because yeah. if I would have done it completely by myself, I would have, I don't know. Or I don't know. Like, but I remember thinking, like, what the hell did I do? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did I really want this? Like, it's hard. I mean, you know, you babies are cute for a reason. No, babies are cute for a reason. It's so hard. And it's so hard to like, I get that when we see, I I understand why we have to show the reality of parenthood. And I also, you don't want to scare people when they're about to go in it. And then you're also (laughs) like, there's something about watching your kids sleep. And that's because they're so well behaved. They're not crying. They're just like adorable and sleep. And we need that. We need that moment to be like, oh God, it's worth it. And it's okay. But like crying in the in-betweens, I think those first six months are truly, and I've only ever had singletons. Twins, I mean, double the blur. It's, I can't imagine, but I'm, I mean, it's also, 
I know for you, so layered because you had all of this like buildup and everything. And it's like, where do I even let these tears go? Am I allowed to talk about that? This is hard. Is there a place for me in this conversation? That's that's tough. And so, I mean, talk to me about the point where you realized that you still wanted to date. And what did that look like with twins? Did you approach the conversation right off the bat that you were a single father? Well, no, no, no. Like I said, the first six months were like I was in my one day and I was... I didn't even know my name, let alone <laughs> thinking about dating. Like all I wanted to do was sleep. Any two yeah. minutes that I would sleep. And like, I didn't even think about that after. See, the thing with me is that being a single parent, it's like, shit, I got to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to like giddy up now. Like I got to mm-hmm. provide for these two. And I had just moved from the Middle East. Like I closed up my production in the Middle East, moved back here. Luckily, I had a cushion that mm-hmm. I you know, I had for myself that I could, you know, have the six months that I needed. But after six mm-hmm. months, I'm like, okay, I got to work. So first of all, that started. So I'm like, okay, got an Annie. I needed an Annie because I'm like, if I go to work, like, what am I going to yeah. do? My mom's there, like, she can't do it by herself. And for sure. so I got the nanny and then I started working. So once like work started going and I kind of like got my feet back on the ground, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay, I need to like, I need I need something. (laughs) Yeah. Not just dating, but you also need human contact. You need, you know, to get hugged every once in a while or, you know, something. Uh, And yeah, so then I started dating and obviously you do the apps and the this and the that and it's brutal dating. Brutal. Well, first of all, dating (laughs) is already brutal. Then add kids on top of it because it's not like saying, okay, like let's go to dinner anytime. Yeah. Or let's, I'm going to meet you for a drink or yeah. uh, it's like, no, no, no. I got a plan. I went through that. I remember it was, it was difficult to get somebody yeah. to convince somebody to have dinner after the kids were in bed or to always have the layer of like, sorry, I'm working or there's the kids and to find somebody who cared about like threading that needle. Tough. Yeah. It's yeah. tough, tough. And then like, and then a lot of gay men don't want kids. Yeah. Like, okay. It's not something, you know, like it's in theory they do, but then when they, when push comes to shove and they see what it's like, they want to like close up their lofts and go to Porto Vallarta on the weekend. Like they're not, Yeah. <laughs> you know? so there was that layer as well. And then it was like, you know, finding someone that, you know, I was, I was in Vaughn, like at that point I was in Vaughn, I wasn't downtown. So like the, the gay end, like, so it's finding someone that's like, mm-hmm. Hey, can you come up to Vaughn too <laughs> for dinner? Like, so we're like 10 minutes from the house because I need to, in case I need to pop back home. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, it's just like, oh, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. (laughs) What was different when you met your now fiance? What was the, what was, did you know it was different? Was this somebody who knew they wanted kids and they were ready to step into it? Or like, how did this all happen? So we actually met before the girls were born. So before I closed up shop in the Middle East, I was, I came to Toronto. I was working on a couple shows here in Toronto, uh, but I had to go back to the Middle East, close up shop. So we met, we dated and, but he's like on his end, he's like, here's this guy who's like going back to the Middle East Mm -hmm. is coming here and is coming here with twins. Like, so he, for him, it was like, where do I go? Like, it was a lot. Right. So then we, we broke up and then yeah, two years later he came crawling back. So 
Uh, I love to say that, but he, yeah. he hates when I say that, but no, he did. He called back and, <laughs> and I knew because <laughs> I knew because he was just different. Like he got it. First of all, he's very Italian from a very Italian family. The same as me. We're, we're culturally, we're exactly the same. We were brought up the same. The, the, the term family means the same thing to us he would, I remember he just got it. He'd be like, okay, you know what? Put the girls to bed and then I'll bring dinner. Oh, like, wow. You know what I mean? Like things yeah. like that. Yeah. And even at first, like, like, and then even dating is like, when do you introduce them to the kids? Like, yeah, of course. That, that's a tough decision as well. Right. Yeah. So he got that. And and not just that, when do you introduce them to your Instagram family? Like, oh, another layer that I had. Yeah on Instagram. And so people were like, either they loved it or they're like, absolutely not. I want nothing to do with it. So, you know, he's very quiet and he's very like, like he's not like even his family, they're very like silent and not very loud, but he got it. He got it. And Mm -hmm. he got my work and he got like, you know, he, like now he tells me too, he's like, you haven't posted it in a while. It's time you post or like, he gets it. And even when he finally met the girls, like, we did it at like a fair where, you know, he Smart. came with balloons. Yeah. A lot of people. So they, you know, they met him with like this whole confusion and like, like it's a fair and rides and, yeah. and cotton candy. So and many distractions. So slowly, slowly. And I'm lucky that the girls were very young when they mm-hmm. met him. So mm-hmm. they don't know any different. They don't yeah. know. Life. Like I just wrote a book and he he's obviously not in it. Yeah. And so even the girls, when I read it to, to the girls, they're like, they're like, well, where's Frankie? Like, yeah. why isn't Frankie <laughs> in the book? It's like, you know, because in their minds, he's it's just, he's, he's been there, there. Right. So that's actually yeah, so really I was lucky smart in that though. way. We were, yeah, I had the same thing. Uh, my kids, I was actually only friends with my now husband, but we were dating and I definitely liked him. And we went out like as a group and met they met him bowling. So we all went bowling. And I remember he, and maybe this just speaks to my like financial situation at the time. They were so blown away that he gave them $2 to use the claw machine that they were like, mom, you know who you should date. And I'm like, it cost him $2 to get my kids to immediately (laughs) gun for him. They were like, you know, you know who we really like, we know who you should marry. And I was like, you just met him. They were like, it was perfect. It was perfect because we were in a group setting. It wasn't like introducing somebody like big and important. They just fell for him because they, it was sort of like chaos, but they got to know him on less like cool, fun level. And then it was just like, oh, we love that guy. Like, is he going to come more? Are we going to do this? We're going to do that. And so I, my kids were older, like they were very aware of everything. So it's, it's a very, I, I love that you and I both have a very first introduction story where it was like, go do yeah. something fun and it works so well. And uh, so, okay, let's talk about the book then. Is the book out? Is it being written? Like what's going on? A book is coming out on Saturday is the, the launch. Oh my gosh. So by uh, the time launched. this is out, this will already be out. So that's even this more is already exciting. out. So yes, 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 yes. Yeah. We're, we're doing the launch at Indigo and, Amazing. and nothing. It's just, it's, it's a story that I told the girls since they were born. It's a story that, I mean, the girls tell me all the time, could tell us the story of Nonna and Papa going to Kenya. And so it was kind of like that. And then I was like, you know what? There's not that many books on surrogacy. So yes. it's it's our story told mm-hmm. 
to children in a children's way that they could understand, right? And it also shows those families. It shows that love is love and it doesn't matter what your family is. You could you could have non and non no. You could have two moms, you could have two dads, you could have one dad, you could have it doesn't matter. As long as you have love, that's what's important. So yeah, so I wrote it more also for them. Like when I when I read it to them, you should have seen they were like they were so proud and they were so happy. And they're like, oh my God, that's Nona, look, that's the, that, that's like, so it was just really, really cute. And yeah, so yeah, we're doing the launch soon and I'm nervous about it. I'm, I'm scared. I'm going to be, be like me and the girls and Frank will be the only one at Indigo, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll I feel that. I always am like, nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to come. You get in your head about it. But honestly, like, then you got to come back down to the roots of it. Even if one kid came and one family came and children's minds are so open. So to think about the ripple effects of storytelling to a child and how that can like shape their hearts and minds for the rest of their life. The fact that they could be loving and understanding when they meet somebody who was born via surrogacy, regardless of the parental backgrounds, like when they meet somebody who was born via IVF and they understand all of these elements this is more and more common than we've ever seen before. And I think it's and it's so important that kids understand that because they're born into constructs of or like I would I grew up in like the construct of like mom, dad, you marry, have kids. So to grow up and then sort of be like jolted and oh, there's like different families that are built different ways. And now that's so much more common. But the core is love. Family is what builds love. I was somebody who never imagined I'd be divorced or have a blended family and sort of having to redefine what family is and then really coming to understand that like it, you the coin term is a broken family. But for me, it's so whole. And that's the story that I want them to move forward with. Your girls are now echoing a beautiful story of love. And that's what you're putting out. So if it is one kid that shows up or one parent that shows up, like that ripple effect is so strong and so real, but also your community loves you. And you have been such a supportive person for so many people online and you've been doing it so well in such a fun, positive way. You're a very fun person to follow. I will say that. And I'd love for you to sort of share, first of all, the name of the book so people can look it up and where they can follow you and find you online as well. Well, the book is called The Twin Diaries, uh, Stella and Mia Meet Papa, and it's going to be a series. So it's going to be The Twin Diaries and each book will be a milestone in the baby's lives growing up. And that's going to be on Amazon or Indigo. And yeah, you can find me on thedaddiaries.ca on Instagram or thedaddiaries.com, my website. And uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you all as well that are listening so that you can check them out for yourself in this cute, adorable family. The girls are so adorable. I've loved watching them grow up. They're just so cute. So thank you for everything. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for going back into one of the hardest times and really bringing to life a, a very unique story in building a family. I appreciate you. I know it's not easy to show up. I know it's not easy to share your story all the time, especially in today's age, but I've got your back. We love you. We're all here to watch your family thrive and grow and be so full of love and the love you put out in this world. So thanks for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the platform, because I think it is very important that people do hear this story, these stories, these types mm -hmm. of stories, especially in today's day and age. Yes. And uh, yeah, thank you.
Yeah, I'm excited for this episode. So everyone listening, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.